and that brings us to 9 a.m. on the nose on this Wednesday, the 15th of July. And we're so very glad that you're with us here for Community Pulse. Community Pulse is your locally produced program about the COVID-19 pandemic here in mid-Missouri. And you can catch it live Monday through Thursday at 9 a.m. right here on KOPN. We post our backdated episodes online at KOPN.org, also on our Facebook feed, and you can now find us on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today on Community Pulse, we're so very pleased to welcome back public health advocate Ginny Chadwick, who will be joined by a very lovely guest, her dear friend Anne-Marie Long. Uh, Anne-Marie is a licensed massage therapist at Moon Valley, located in downtown Columbia, also the owner and artist of Antiques Crafts, and we will be talking about the making of masks. That mask ordinance here in Columbia has now been in effect for nearly five days. Ladies, a very good morning to you both. Thank you so much, Peter, for having us, and welcome, Anne-Marie. Good morning, Jenny. Thank you. So I'm going to start with the numbers, and I'm going to start local and then go to the national level, because I know when I hear the numbers, I start to glaze over, and what's most important is what's happening right here in our local community. So if we look at Boone County, our total numbers are 777, and I remember for so long, Peter, on the show, how we had said we're right around 100, right around 200, and so quickly now we're at 777, adding 13 new cases just over the last 24 hours since the show um, with Dr. Alleman. And we have um, currently 317 active cases, so current cases that are in isolation. Um, And we have 520 people in quarantine. And I'm going to start asking the question publicly, how can we have 317 cases active and only 520 people in quarantine? Because that would mean that each active case had only exposed less than two people per individual. And I know in my household, just personally, I have more than two people. And I want us to start thinking about the fact that quarantine is voluntary, um, right? So when we, the health department advises somebody to go into quarantine, and that recommendation has evolved over time, but somewhere between 10 to 14 days of quarantine, um, we do contact tracing. And as we have all heard locally, um, our health department is stretched and that contact tracing is delayed. So you might not get a call if you are directly exposed for a couple of days. And so um, what we're asking of any active case, right, is to start isolating yourself immediately, wait for the health department to call, that there is a delay in that, and that um, to contact the people that you are directly exposed to. Um, But right now we have 520 people in quarantine. I'm curious how many direct contacts we have reached out to at the health department and and versus the number in quarantine. So I'm going to start asking that question. We have 10 Boone County citizens that are currently hospitalized, um, and we have three deaths now. As um, Elizabeth reported yesterday, we had our third death, and it's a younger age demographic. Um, so all concerning numbers as we see increases, um, we still see discrepancies um, in our demographics. So right now we're at 69% white and 17.2% black. Um, we know that in Boone County we um, are at about 10% African-American population, so still seeing some disparities, and, and we know that this is hitting our minority populations harder. Um, 
The uh, said Perry reported yesterday that our case positive testing rate in the World Health Organization says that should remain around three to five, or we have um, wide community spread. We have a 16% positive test rate. And when we look at where people are getting the virus, um, over 50% are getting it from a, a known case or direct contact with the case we've identified. So um, still telling me that we're not getting those people who are positive um, out of out of exposure to the general population, but we 25% of our community who is testing positive have no idea where they've got it, so they're not they're not known to be exposed to a direct case. Um, so it's somewhere in community that they were exposed to community transmission. Again, those numbers are very high. Um, so then when we look at Missouri, unfortunately, we set a record yesterday of identified cases. So Matthew Holloway reported that we have broke 1,000. So we were at 1,020 identified cases yesterday. And the state of Missouri now has 31,262 cases that have been identified as COVID positive. Um, we are now breaking a seven-day average of over 700 cases per day being identified. So again, I'll say just a month ago, we were at 200 cases per day. And that number now, we're at a seven-day rolling average of 777. Our positive test rate um, for the state is at 6% exactly based on the John Hopkins data. Um, so again, we know that we're, we're over that three to five percent that we want to see um, based on most most respected health organizations on what our positive case rate should be. And most of the cases that have been identified in, in the counties that are really spreading quickly, and that includes Boone County, um, over 75 percent of the cases have been identified within the last 14 days. We had 14 new identified deaths in the state of Missouri. So we're now at 1,145 deaths based again on Matthew Holloway's report. So our death rate is declining, like the number of deaths um, per day in the state of Missouri, but nationally that death rate is still increasing. Um, Matthew also posted a really great graphic for those who want to look at his Facebook page of what happens when you get COVID-19 tested. And if we have time, I might cover it towards the end. But I do want to get to our topic. So as we've mentioned before, you know, we were seeing this move fast in our metro areas in the beginning. But our top 10 counties that have a seven-day increase in percent are not our major counties. So Reynolds, Carroll, Douglas, Denton and Macon are all in the top five counties that are seeing the greatest increase. So really hitting our rural communities. And, and that I think is going to continue um, on what we're seeing. So when we look globally or, or, or so nationally, we have 3.4 million U.S. citizens who have been identified as COVID positive. You know, I know I say often we hear that um, we're just doing more testing and that's why we know. But if we look at our um, percentage of, of testing per total, um, we're still falling far below most countries that we would want to compare ourselves to. So we're 23rd of all countries in testing in these countries that um, wow. we are clear, qualifying ourselves with. They're not ones that we normally um, consider. And then when we look at the percentage of 
cases per million. Um, we are ranking right now eight, 12th, sorry, we are 12th globally, and we are the only high-income country that has the cases per million that we have. So most of the countries that we are now compared to are um, very low-income countries. I'm sure that most um, people have seen, but if not, National News is reporting that the Trump administration is now reporting that hospitals um, report directly to HHS and um, don't um, report to the CDC, which has been a known agency to collect health data for decades. Um, and so there's a lot of conversation nationally on what the reasoning for reporting um, to HHS rather than the Center for Disease Control, which tracks our global um, and national outbreaks. All right. So that's the numbers. And Marie, thank you so much again for joining us. You know, as Columbia has put in a city mask ordinance, there's a lot of talk about masks. So I wanted to make sure to take the opportunity to talk about what are local people doing in making masks? So, Emory, can you just share with us a little bit about how did you get into making masks and what are some of the processes that you take to make them? Cheers, cheers. Um, so back in March when we were getting all the information about COVID's growing, it's a threat, we don't know much about it, we don't know what it does to people, uh, but being a you know, paramedical health professional, which is what massage therapy is, it was like my coworkers and I were talking about how can we reduce the spread and how can we slow down anything that is happening to help support the medical professionals and to help support society. And it just kept coming up that masks slow the spread. That's what we have to start with. Um, you know, and the numbers vary greatly about um, if one person is infected and they're wearing a mask, what's the likelihood that they'll infect another? But if both people are wearing a mask, the likelihood is so much lower. Um, and then, of course, we were having shortages, you know, we as in our entire country. Um, so facing that and then starting to read that people were investigating all the materials, what could be useful, what could be helpful, how helpful, um, and then just looking at a simple cotton double layer reduces transmission significantly because it captures those particles of moisture that viruses will ride upon. And so then it was it is just so simple and so common sense to say, well, of course we have to just do what we can. You know, like I would much rather be cautious and um, humane than walk around free and in denial about it. So I would, I would rather just do something to limit my spread if I get it. Um, so then I just started with the cotton quilting material that I have plenty of with my crafting you know, I have a lot of cotton fabric, and it's fairly densely woven, but, you know, it's more Henry, so can you than... take a moment? Like, why did you have a lot of cotton fabric? Can you share with those? Yes. So, so I have a crafting, very tiny uh, hobby at this point. It's not quite a business, but it's partially. Um, so my, my joy is making these fabric-wrapped uh, cord baskets. They're sewn in a spiral, 
I have a sewing machine that can go through lots of layers. It's a quilting sewing machine. It has a strong little mm-hmm. motor. And so I have a stash of fabric. Um, and I've collected I'm it always from quilting stores. the colors that you have in your room. <laughs> <laughs> lots of color. Joyful color, always. Cheers, yeah. And then, you know, I'm getting gifted tremendous loads of fabric too people will be like oh you collected here here's a box have a big old box of fabric that I haven't used for two decades which is great because now I'm going through that and pulling out all these fabrics and I can use them in layers uh, and the layers of fabric catch that much more particulate so yeah I had all this cotton fabric and then I had some miscellaneous fabrics which Right now, still, there's information coming out about uh, examining the experiments, you know, examining the materials that work and how they work. Um, so last night I was reading that chiffon, a double layer of chiffon uh, that is polyester and spandex, that can be up to 99% effective when inside the double layer of cotton. Interesting. So, you know, I was saying 80 to 99% effective at capturing the particulate that the virus is riding upon. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of chiffon, but it was, it was fascinating to think there are people who do. There are people who use that to make costumes all the time. So mm-hmm. any number of people who are interested can cu- start to look at what materials they have available. And so many of these materials are at least 40 to 60% effective capturing the dust and the moisture particles and then the rates just go up so so i've heard you say a lot about cotton and i've heard kind of in in media is there a fabric that we shouldn't be using you know the only thing i've seen uh, like a big no on is that a lot of people were talking about vacuum cleaner filters Mm -hmm. and they can be extremely effective at holding and trapping particulate the only thing that was a no about that was to not cut them because they have fiberglass in them. So it would be open edges that would then allow basically asbestos to be breathed in. So, like, you know, right. that's, that's a danger. Be careful. Don't use a fabric yeah. that you don't know what's all inside of it. And then Right. What about like, I mean, like some fabrics are more dense and weaves than others. And like, I'm thinking yes, like, like so. pantyhose, right? Or yes. So yeah. is there better if they're too dense? You know, good questions. <laughs> I yep. keep hunting through the internet and finding that various universities, very, there's so many kind of immediate um, investigations onto these topics of materials because people are making so many masks at home and they're wanting to know what is more effective. What So people like me, I've made about 50 since April. I started right at the beginning of the month in April. And, you know, a number of our friends have done this. People at Artlandish are making masks and we're all kind of sticking with a filter material in the middle and the cotton fabrics because that's what is most accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're just adapting and trying to learn and trying to see what fits. You know, you were trying on different masks and noticing that there was a pretty wide range of fits. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> people understand this. I say, you know, mask is a new face bra, and you know, some bras fit you and some bras don't. And, and yep. I have a very just a fact face. Yeah. And so, in order, I mean, 
don't have to be successful at doing what it needs, it needs to do. It needs to fit well, right? And explain that a little yes. bit. Yes, it has to be snug. And that is all over the instructions in mask making that you need to have a snug fit, especially around the nose and on the sides. The bottom, you know, if it is wrapping around your chin a little bit, that's a good thing. But snug fit keeps recurring as the primary objective you need to accomplish so that you're not leaking out your breath or pulling in the outside air as much. Um, so how do you get the most snug fit? And there, you know, <laughs> YouTube has so many wonderful hacks. Um, there are people in the medical profession just showing how you twist the ties of a mask to make it fit more snug. There people adjusting patterns all over the place. There are people advocating one type of pattern over another or showing how you just adjust the size a little bit for children. But everybody's in this effort trying to adapt it and improve it right now. Um, and I think anybody can play this game. I have never in my life <laughs> followed a pattern I always need to see it happen, so I went to YouTube to watch a video and it's, you know, less than 20 minutes, and I have all the materials on hand, and it was just so straightforward to see it done and be like, all right, I can do that. So, Cheers. as you know, we've mandated it, and now the Columbia Public Schools has intended to go back, and we obviously are going to require students to wear it. What are some of the yeah. places that you know of that are making masks? For, I mean, like you have the materials at home and you have a sewing machine and the talent. Um, where have you heard the community being able to turn to and other people that are making masks um, that might be supportive? Cheers. So I shared two links with you, and I hope those will be made available. Um, the Sew for Safety group on Facebook has been the primary kind of organizing force of getting people connected, those who have fabric and just want to hand it over to people who are willing to sew and make, you know, higher numbers of masks, um, the people who have more elastic available or because there were shortages, there were times when you couldn't find it on mm -hmm. Amazon or such, um, people who were figuring out how to just cut up T-shirts and use those for ties because the ties are more adjustable and the T-shirt fabric is flexible so that was working really well for getting that snug fit for some people. Again, you know, adapting all these things. But Sew for Safety on Facebook was really and still is connecting people and resources. And they are completely free, so you can put in an order for how many masks you might want for your family or your school or your class or your business or whatever it is. You put in an order and they may ask you, like, please confirm, you know, or what's mm -hmm. your business address or, you know, something like that. But they're operating completely free and they are so good at saying who's available and who has what and who can just take this. Um, right. So they so are really um, a grassroots um, community volunteer organization that has sprung completely. up. And, you know, I did get a message from them that the, the mass demand right now has decreased a little bit. And I think probably once the mask ordinance passed, as we expected, many um, local and chain businesses are actually carrying masks to be yes. purchased. Um, so, yes. I, you know, I went into a, a, a big box store the other day and was enlightened and happy to heartened to, hearten to see that every single person had a mask on. But I would say about 50% of those were the, the disposable kind, right? Um, so right. you touched on... Um, the, 
there was one other place I think you were going to talk about where people can uh, maybe donate or volunteer or get masks. Um, So the Karis Church is working on gathering the resources for providing masks for free to all students in the fall. So, of course, it's a variable number. We don't know how many students will show up, but um, they are trying to make these sizes to fit children of all ages and having just the volume available for free. Uh, So they are doing various organizing. They're offering their own set of patterns. They're um, trying to bring people in who are willing to provide. And there's two different (laughs) pattern types. There's like, or maybe there's more. There's the like. Probably more. (laughs) There's the fitted one, right? And then there's the one that has the the wrinkles in it. (laughs) Accordion style. He has has the wrinkles. Yeah, so accordion style and. Um, then that, like you say, that kind of fitted that uh, Darth Vader style. I don't know what you call it. Um, yeah, the two different fits. I like the accordion style personally. It seems a little bit more. Um, I, I find that I can make it really fast, and it doesn't have any um, stitching right down the middle where your nose and mouth are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much it matters, but the needle is the largest hole punch in the effort. Um, and so if you have a seam right down the middle, seams are where you get leakage generally. So I am not as much of a fan of that, but I don't have particular proof. Uh, anyway, and then what about, you talked about the elastic versus the tie. I know my daughter mm-hmm. makes them and she had me get um, dress socks that are really stretchy so that she could use nice. those as the elastic because she says it hurts her ears less than an elastic band. What have you found about the elastic versus the ties? So I'm using masks myself only for a fairly short time. You know, if I go into a grocery store or if I'm giving a massage for an hour, an hour and a half, something Mm -hmm. like that kind of time period. But if it's snugly fitting, the mask and the elastic definitely pull on the back of my ears. And that, you know, it's a quarter inch wide elastic that it's pretty simple and it's flat, but it's still, it can rub pretty hard on the ears. So then you could have the style where it's over the head. Um, you can have the ties where you, if you're wearing a ponytail or something, it really helps, or you can pin it in place. But each style, you know, if we're going to be wearing them all the time, it's nice to rotate and have some options for fit, for comfort, uh, for safety, because you don't want to wear the same mask all day long. That's not as effective in protecting you. All right. So as we wrap up, Anne-Marie, any last thoughts that you would like to share with the community about masks or COVID in general? Oh, cheers. I think I've done all the talking I can do. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. And, you know, I know, Peter, if you could post um, the Karis Church, who is um, trying to, to, um, Provide all provide of the Columbia the Public students. Schools mm-hmm. um, students with masks. There is a mask pattern on their website um, yep. that is the Same with Sew for style. Safety. Yep, and then yep. Sew for Safety, at an organization that we have talked about several times on the show in the past, um, but their Facebook page, again, Sew for Safety, it is just working within um, Boone County to provide masks with those who are in need. Um, Emery, thank you again for your time. Um, Peter has um, 
thanks for um, doing the tech for the show. Absolutely, ladies, and thank you so very much for uh, you, to both of you for for joining us this morning. Um, we will indeed be posting those links on our Facebook profile. Once again, the Caris Church um, is making an effort to collect free masks for distribution uh, distribution to students in the fall. And the So for Safety group on Facebook, you can also check those out yourselves, of course, has been doing some excellent work here in the Columbia area. We'll post a link to the YouTube instructional that Anne-Marie was referencing. Uh, also, um, a study looking at uh, cotton and chiffon filtering for 89 or to 80 to 99% of particulars of particulate matter. <clears throat> of obscuring particulate matter, I should say. <laughs> there is much more. There is much more. Um, I want to thank uh, our guest, Anne-Marie Long, and of course, public health advocate, Ginny Chadwick, for joining us on today's edition of Community Pulse. As a reminder, you can catch Community Pulse live Monday through Thursdays, 9 a.m. here on KOPN 89.5 FM. We also post the backdated episodes to our archives on the website. You can find it on our Facebook feed. You can find it on Apple and Spotify podcasts as well. Something I wanted to draw attention to before we say goodbye, Ginny also did a fantastic job of reporting the numbers at the beginning of the broadcast. If you've been listening to Community Pulse from the beginning, you may know, of course, that for weeks and weeks and weeks we were discussing static numbers. Um, that is no longer the case. The numbers are on the rise. And Jenny brought up some very, very salient questions about contract tracing efforts. So do listen in to the archives if you'd like to hear a little bit more of that. Just joining us, that was at the beginning of the program. As always, we welcome your questions, comments, and feedback with respect to programming here on KOPN, your experience with COVID-19 in Columbia, Contact us at any time. You can leave us a message at 573-874-1139. You can also email us at gm at kopn.org. Message us on Facebook or Instagram, all the usual channels. With the numbers on the rise here in Columbia, it seems as apt as ever to remind you, please stay safe and stay informed, Columbia. An abridged version of Background Briefing follows, and we'll be back tomorrow with Dr. Elizabeth Altman.